Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and my guest today is Grace O'Donnell, and she is the COO of Leaders Press, and she joins us to discuss how to make a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling book and why we should have a book. Now, Grace is an interviewer and a storyteller, and I love storytellers, who has been crafting stories for over 10 years as an Irish, and this is her description, as an Irish traveling entrepreneur filmmaking lady. We're going to delve into that a bit. It's, it's a terrific story. So to date with Leaders Press, she has developed over a dozen books, all of which are bestsellers on Amazon, and she has worked with over 100 authors, and she recently conducted interviews for Ariva Martin, who is an award-winning civil rights attorney and talk show host, and thank you for sending that book to me, by the way. It's on my desk. Hans Kirstedt, who is a renowned stem cell researcher, and Steve, I don't know if I can pronounce his name, Ferriaria. I think you're going to have to tell me what how to pronounce that. And he is a transport mogul. How do you pronounce his name? Ferreira. I wasn't even close. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so listen in as as we learn and how she shares with us how you can share your wisdom and your life experiences with the world, create a lead generator and lead conversation tool, build further authority, and best of all, leave a legacy. Grace, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. If I'm not mistaken, you're calling in today from Lisbon, Portugal, but, Portugal, but you were born in... Ireland. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Lovely sunny Lisbon. It's so nice to be here. By the way, it's so funny. I forgot that I wrote that introduction. You know, it's been a while. And it's so nice to hear it back. I was like, ooh, oh, look at all that. Look at those things I've done. Is that a normal reaction that people are usually like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, when we had our pre-interview, I was scribbling like mad going, oh, she sounds fun. You've got no storytellers <laughs> are the best. I mean, let's face it. Everything we know from history is storytelling. It's been handed down, handed down. Some of it's baloney. Mm -hmm. It's been lost. Some of it's true. But it's all fascinating. And books. You know, to me, listen, I read constantly. I'm a voracious reader. Mm -hmm. My mom said when I was a kid, I would read the backs of, of cereal boxes. I hate cereal. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat cereal. But if it had print on it, I was in it. My face was right there reading it. It's good to have you here to talk about books. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's funny that you describe me as fun. I Yeah, I like to think that I I make things like writing a book and publishing it quite fun. And I remember I was doing an escape room with my friend, you know, an escape room, like where you have to figure out the puzzles to get out. Do you, do you know this? No. Go, go ahead and tell us. Oh. Oh, an escape room. Like, uh, there's just a bunch of puzzles, and you have to figure them out. But And she did this social media, and she posts about everyone who did it. And she, for everyone else, she said, they found in record time. They were really smart. 
And then she came to me and my friend, and she was like, they were very fun and had a good time. And I thought that was both such a nice compliment and insult at the same time. <laughs> it was like, they weren't fast. They weren't smart. But they did laugh a lot. Um, but yeah, and I like, I like, I think you should be having fun when you do something like tell a story or invite people into your world. So, yeah. Exactly. And listen, it is said, Grace, that we all have at least one book in us, but writing, editing, packaging, marketing, that's not fun. It can be incredibly Mm. daunting just to think about it. And listen, I have been, I've got a book. I've got more than one book in me. I know I do. What I have Mm -hmm. oftentimes, though, is what I have to call an epic blank page. The minute I sit Mm. down, I just go, oh, what the heck? And off I go. I go wash yeah. dishes, you know, do something that makes sense. It's yeah. difficult, isn't it? So making it fun, I think, can only help the mindset. That's so interesting. And, yeah, I think that's so common. That's why, um, like, I think as a starting point, what everyone should do is um, create an outline because then you can just scribble about a particular section that you know you want included in the book, even if, you know, you're not feeling the uh, the muse or the inspiration. And, like, the way to write a good outline is just to kind of brain dump absolutely every idea you want to include in your book and then just pick out the really core ones that center on that central theme or those central three goals for why you're writing your book. And yeah, that, I don't know. I think that is my biggest tip for those struggling with the blank page. Or like maybe talk to a friend about it. Some people uh, prefer the written word and like maybe just record your chat with a friend and you realize, oh, I actually have a lot to say. Cause I think we can get daunted by that black, black page, right? Oh, it scares the heck out of me. And listen, I'm a social media marketing person. I build websites. I write all day long for other people. I'm brilliant in that arena. Mm -hmm. Just ask me. I'll tell you, I'm brilliant. But when it comes to my own stuff, I'm like, oh, oh, jeez, oh, crap. (laughs) Off Mm -hmm. we go. But what you're describing is that there is some logic to starting the book so when you're brain dumping or talking with a friend at some point you have to pick all that out and then create a logical path don't you and I think that's what stops a lot of people as well like but this is important I don't know where it goes you know what happens when people Mm -hmm. give you this brain dump and you're like okay we got it we can we can handle it here's where we need to go yeah, I think you're right. That's a really good point that it really trips people up because it seems overwhelming, especially because um, my favorite writer, William Goldman, he always said that, like, what makes a really great screenwriter is not, like, zippy dialogue. Like, it's not the things you think or the things that we remember, but it's actually just structure that if you can't get, like, I mean, I think we all know that everything needs a beginning, middle, and end. But what's kind of interesting is that, like, Every chapter should have a beginning, middle, and every paragraph should have a beginning, middle, and end. And so, yeah, I think people can get overwhelmed by that. But I think the easiest and simple way out of that is to, what I always recommend people do, is go to the um, Amazon and you know the way there's a it's such a great tool. Like you can see the first chapter usually and first 
the table of contents for free of so many different books. Look up your competing titles or uh, books you really admire and just understand how the information is organized in those. It could be something as simple as chronological. It could be thematic. It could be super complex and then boiled down. And yeah, don't like feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. Just take what's already working, but add your own, you and your own magic to it because everyone has a book, because everyone has a unique perspective that is useful. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about your book? I'm really fascinated and curious. Honestly, it's going to be about podcasting, and I'll be very frank with you. I have a, a fairly sardonic view of what is going on in the podcasting industry right now. I'm, I'm a contrarian when it comes down to it. I've been doing this for 13 years, and I've been watching and thinking, oh, I can write a book about it. I can write it. Yeah, I get to the end of the and I never do it. There's always mm-hmm. something else. I've got clients. I'm busy. You know, my agency is always very busy. It's no excuse. It's just me going, ugh. I'm scared, which I am. But the industry has blown up now in such a way that, and and I'll be very honest with you and with my my audience, I belong to a couple of really large um, podcast Facebook groups, and the amount of crap, garbage information that is touted in there just, I'll never need a face facelift. My eyebrows are constantly in my hairline. From <laughs> what? What? What the heck? No, don't do that. So, I'm writing a book that's a, a contrarian view of podcasting. It called as it's made out to be. In fact, I keep it simple, stupid. It, mm. My entire attitude about podcasting is keep it simple, stupid. So, there you go. And it's going to have you know, some attitude in it. It's got attitude. Yeah. <laughs> you can probably tell. Another really good tip is to maybe approach it, because you're such an um, like amazing, or in your own words, brilliant social media manager, is you could do like a weekly vlog and then like um, kind of take that as the rough draft basis for your book. There's a bunch of ways, because I think you're getting your home in your head because you're thinking, oh, this is a book, but you know you can do this. Like, if you can talk, like, live in a podcast, which is so, uh, I think, so much more difficult to, like, be interesting and... Oh, really? I think it's easy because I have the best guests. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um. Oh, but but then get people for your book. Like we often do contributors in books, and it means there's more people to promote. For instance, one of the ways I would really recommend if you want to be a USA Today bestselling author or a Wall Street Journal bestselling author is uh, I would say find a crew of 25 other people who are interested in the same thing. Each of you have a social media following of 5,000 that each of you would be willing to post about it, let's say, 10 times um, on the week of launch. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a guarantee, but that is one of the methods that, like, I think I would really recommend. And then you get that kind of reputational building. Um, like we, it's also a service we provide at Leaders Press, but, yeah. It's- well, and, let's, and I'm glad you brought that up because it is launching the book is – it should be part of your structure – 
when you're mm-hmm. when you're getting ready yeah. to market yeah. this book and sadly so many people just kind of go backwards into it. They've got the book. You know, they've mm-hmm. finally figured out, am I going to try to find an agent, a publishing house? We're going to talk about that as well. Should I hire somebody like Leaders Press and you? Should I go ahead and self-publish? All of these decisions have to be made. Then they start writing. Then they start trying to find an editor because everybody needs an editor or two or three. And, you know, that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't go, well, no, I can do it. I can just put it up in Word, put it up on Kindle, and, you know, I'm going to be rich and famous. No, no, you're not. You're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't know about you. I read a ton of books on Kindle. Mm-hmm. And after I've read about the third or fourth typo, I'm out. I'm done. I'm very funny about mm-hmm. that. I don't care how good the book is. If you can't spell, I'm, I have to go. It bugs me. No. I'm with you. So, yeah. So, and then, you know, there's just so many steps, so many steps. And then all of a sudden you've got this book, you've got it printed, you've got a hundred books in a box in your garage that the, you know, <laughs> the press made you buy. And now you don't know what to do because nobody's ever heard of it. So let's talk about getting that marketing piece done or, you know, getting some reputation built before you even try to get that book out there. I think it's important. No, that's a great point. I mean, that's one of the things I love about working with Alinka, um, who is my boss. So I think it's rare to like your boss, but I actually do because one of the things she brings is just kind of a very cold, hard eye to marketing. And I think I am much more similar to most people out there who are writing a book who are like, my idea is so brilliant and I'll put so much research and effort into it that like, it's going to be, like you say, a bestseller and like everyone's going to love it and I'm going to be rich. Whereas actually what you need to do from the very beginning, and I love that you mentioned this, is you need to do your market research. You need to find that kind of perfect Goldilocks spot of, yes, there are some competing titles, but no, it's not overwhelming. And uh, because if you don't have any competing titles, it means there is, no There's no interest, I mean, right? Nobody no interest. cares, but exactly. you and your mom, that's it. Your mom might read it. She may not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, God, that would be depressing. <laughs> Come on, Mom. Um, and then, obviously, if there's too many, it's too competitive. And so you really have to think about that from the very beginning and who your audience is. Like, oh, I mean, I'm sure you know this as a podcast host, but, like, uh, when someone tells you, oh, my podcast is for everyone, what that means straight away when I hear my book is for everyone is my book is for no one because I haven't thought through who this is actually for and who will help, who I can help with it. And I think what really helps me as well, this might help you when you get like um, kind of that writer's block is, I, it's a very common piece of advice, but it's really useful. It's just think of that one friend who would really benefit and write for them because then you don't lose your voice. And then, like, you're very aware of, like, who your market is because I'm sure there's going to be other people like your friend out there who need this advice. I mean, it definitely sounds like the podcast industry there really is. And I'm kind of really curious, like, what do you think the solutions are for the issues in the podcast industry?
Oh, I'm sorry. Stop listening to people who have been podcasting for, oh, 10 minutes. Seriously, they're out there, and they're experts, they'd say. And they drive me crazy. Wow. They really do. Just, just us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to tell this story because it still bugs me, and I think it was a couple of years ago. But there was this gentleman who put his wife's car. He was going to be a podcaster. I don't think he is, but. I quit following after a while because my head hurt. I couldn't take it anymore. But this poor gentleman took his his wife's car and put it in the driveway. I would have divorced him for that. And then he cleaned out the garage and he made it into a studio. Then he spent, I think it was around $4,000 on, guess what, you know, equipment that was, you know, told that he had to have by these alleged podcasters in these groups. And, he never did share what his wife thought about it. He probably didn't dare, but I can take a wild guess, can't you? And God bless him. You know, he spends all this money. He, you know, then, then, and this was the part that just had me going, oh, my God. He said, okay, now I need to make a podcast. What? Talk about starting from the very end of the process, kind of like we're talking about with the book. That was two years ago, and I'm still mad about it. <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> no, no, do not listen to people. You. Oh God, it just I was just I hope your wife left you. I hope she, I hope she took that car <laughs> and drove off with him. <laughs> but but the thing is, if you're listening to people who have no no, they don't know what they're talking about, and they're easy to spot because they haven't. They don't have a podcast. They don't. Mine is 13 years old. I'm a bit of a subject matter expert, don't you think? I've been doing this for a long time, but you're following somebody who has not yet had a successful podcast, and these people say, "Now I need to find sponsors." Nobody's going to sponsor you. You don't have a track record. Same with books, I think. So, yeah, I have a contrarian view. Yes. No, I love that. Honestly, that sounds like such a similar um, piece of advice. Like, in a way, you're saying think of your audience from the beginning. And also, yeah, establish your reputation. The one key difference I would say maybe between podcasts and writing a book is there's almost a certain amount of respect that is given to the written word. Um, the, well, not that there isn't with the podcast. Sorry, I didn't mean to denigrate podcasts. But no, no, I understand what you mean. Yeah, I think just in terms of writing a book can help establish that reputation and position you as an expert, which is, um, yeah, I don't know, something about the old black and white and the ink that uh, – and I think also just the fact that you do have to really um, do quite a bit of research for it to be a good book. Oh, also, this might be a good, another, I just thought of another tip for um, writer's block that's quite a fun one, though maybe not the perfect one in the middle of the pandemic. But um, I have a friend who loves writing books on cruises because everything is taken care of for you. Like, they um they make your food, they make everything, and so you can just focus. Uh, you know, you've got the gym right there if you want to exercise. So you can just focus on yeah, writing your book with no real life distractions. And I don't think like not everyone maybe wants to go on a cruise, but I think there's an equivalent of that, like a cabin in the woods, or you know that everyone can do. 
I've actually seen people who I know and respect who have been on this podcast. I've read their books. And they'll say, listen, I fought all year long to take this two weeks off. And for people like you, people like me, people who are creatives, it's hard to take time off. We just don't do it. Our brains don't work that way. Mine doesn't. And for me to take two weeks off is frightening. It's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I did it it at the end of uh, December. I deliberately took basically from – Thanksgiving, well, a lot of Thanksgiving, but I took two weeks off in between Thanksgiving and December. And that first day I had to fight with myself, like, come on, don't, do not touch your computer. Stay out of that room. I had to close my office door. My office is in my home. Mm -hmm. I figured if I put my nose on the door often enough, I'd get the message. But once I calmed down a bit, I started writing and I started Mm -hmm. thinking and I started, and I love what you said earlier. I started creating better structure. And yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm not ready, yeah. but I have a, a much better sense of where I need to go now. And I'm not fighting That's with myself. Right, no, I'll do it later. I'm doing it now. That's wonderful. I love to hear it. I'm so excited to read your book. That's yeah. You already have your first uh, reader okay. lined up. Um, but I think that's so true. Like. We think we can't give ourselves the time off because we think it's like uh, wasted time, but actually it helps your brain reset. And I'm sure there's got to be some science around that and like really helps you do deeper thought. And so it's so worthwhile. I heard that, I read some statistics that like um, more creative people go for more walks or something. And I think it's linked to the, that thinking time again, right? It is. I spend a lot of time out out in the backyard underneath my pecan trees just standing there looking at them. You know, I go out there barefoot, I dig my toes into the dirt, mud, sleet, whatever's going on out there, and I just breathe. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, there's that random thought that's been niggling. It shows up. What, what type of plants did you say you had? Oh, these are pecan trees. Oh, pecan trees. Oh, pecan trees. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen those. Are oh. the pecans delicious? Do you make pecan hey. pie? No, I hate pecan pie. I hate sugar. But the, I have a what? good crop most years. But this and this is a true oh story. God. I'll be standing pecan there. Give them to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're wasted on you. <laughs> no, I eat them. I have buckets of them. I eat them, you know, just alone. Oh, I don't okay, them. okay. But it's not unusual to be standing out there. <laughs> Walked in the head with a, you know, a squirrel will say, get out of my yard, and it'll hit me in the head with a, with a pecan. So, life is interesting. No way. That's adorable. I love squirrels. They're so cute. They really are. So, going back to, to structure, Grace, because I'm going to lose, I'm, you're so much fun to talk to, I'm going to lose track. But structure, <laughs> structure really is important. And the thing is, yeah. I mean, you have to write things down. And I wanted to ask you, because you've mentioned it, and I've talked with other people about it. Look, I'm a computer science. I have a computer science degree. I go through two keyboards a year. I pound the bejeebers out of them. But I have found that if I take a pad and a pen and I start writing, you know, really writing, not pounding it into a document, it sticks with me better. Do you find that? Do you recommend that people just sit down and write it, or should they type, or whatever works for them? We're all different. 
different, but I do think, and so there is a certain amount of like, oh, just trial things out and see what works for you, but there, there is a certain amount of like, it's great to just have a process that can, so I think stick with the process and try and make it work unless it's really not working for you because sometimes you just need to bite the bullet. And yeah, I think writing things down is great for that. Um, like always keep it like the outline is the most important document and that should be like a working down document that you like add stuff to and move things around. I have a friend, so for structure, what he does, and I think it's quite useful, is he writes it all down on cue cards so that he can likely move them around. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah, and I think that's really great for structure because you could really see it clearly. Um, some people draw, it can help their baby, uh, their kind of thinking. Uh, obviously, in the digital age, you know, a lot of people use the odd line. Yeah, it really varies. Personally, I like to write it out by hand. I'm very old school that way and scan it in. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of different techniques, I would say. So whatever works for you, but I'm guessing that consistency is really the key. And I'm not saying, you know, you yes. have to block it out on your calendar at 2 p.m. every day. You're going to sit down and write for an hour. That's Your brain is going to go, no, I'm not. My brain does. It's like, Mm-mm, you can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. So that doesn't work for people like me. But I have found that if I write something every day, it can be 2 in the afternoon. It can be 2 in the morning. As long as I write something. I've got something mm-hmm. to go back to and go, okay, that was more than a fleeting thought. Let's follow up with this. So consistency is important, isn't it? Oh, God, consistency is everything. Um, It might be worth, like, you talked about, like, hiring an editor and so on. It might be worth, even if you don't want to hire someone like Leaders Press who will do the whole book for you, which mightn't be right in your situation, um, hiring like someone like a project manager who can keep you on track and um, uh-huh. check in with you, hey, how, how far are you doing with the outline? Um, and maybe organize those different moving parts for you. So otherwise you do, there's so much involved with the marketing, the editing, formatting and so on, you know, coming up with the marketing materials like the book cover, it can be hard to keep track of it all. Um, I would really recommend Outsource Your Book, which is a great book that Leaders Press did on um, like all the different parts that are involved and how to do it yourself, and it's got some great resources in there. Uh, what else would I recommend to help with that? Um, like a, a writing buddy is great for accountability. Like, get uh, I'm sure you have a bunch of friends who are in a very similar position who want to write a book, check oh, yeah. with each other, read stuff to each other. Uh, I mean, did you hear about J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis? And they were called the Ink Ladders, and they used to meet up every week in a pub and, like, read back what they had done that week to each other? I've read like, that story. And I think, um, God, what was his name? There was another author group that did that. But what was his name? He killed himself. He had the cats, the polydactyl cats. Gosh. It's in, I can see his oh, face. Um. Very famous writer. I'd hated his stuff, but very famous writer. It'll it'll come to me. But anyway, he did the same thing. Yeah, you know, he would get together. He would get together in the pub, and they would all do kind of the same thing. Yeah. So, but what I think is hilarious about that is J.R.R. Tolkien told C.S. Lewis that he was 
uh, totally talentless and that what he was doing was terrible and not to keep writing. Um, but he obviously persisted. But so I guess be careful with the friend you choose. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe having somebody tell you that you're bad at it just says, yeah, watch this. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. That would be yeah. interesting to find out if they were actually friends or frenemies or hated each other. What the heck? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Hemingway. Was Hemingway. Hemingway. <laughs> yes. The <poly-tops. laughs> I can see it. I've read it. Yeah.
and take those transcripts and use that as inspiration. Or you could even like um, create like a little webinar video course, or you could provide mentoring one-on-one. Like those are all things that our authors have done as a way to make back their money. Um, and then there's another type of nonfiction book, which we specialize in a lot, which is kind of a legacy piece or memoir. So for instance, Po Chung, who is one of the founders of DHL, like he has this really interesting approach to business, which is very organic and very networking. But before, like now we're all like, oh, networks and scaling and like, it seems so obvious. But in a pre-digital world, like how to scale was not, and like pushing things down the ladder and um, kind of empowering people in ownership was not as obvious. And so it's really, like his book was really fascinating because it draws on all these different experiences um, and shows you that kind of different business idea. But he also does this kind of a memoir just for his kids. We have a surprising amount of authors who write a book for their kids to get to know them better because maybe they didn't know the business side of them or to leave a piece for them, which I think is really beautiful. So, I mean, there's a, like, Legion, obviously huge, um, like a lot of authors will make their money back within the first year if they follow that advice of having an incentive. Um, establishing reputation is huge. And even just like, um, like, real, like the process of writing a book, you will ask yourself questions or if you do it with us, we'll ask you questions that will make you really reevaluate the choices you made. And like a lot of our authors have said, just the experience of like understanding how they got to where they were and all, and even just realizing how far they've come from when they started um, was just like so rewarding and helped them be really grateful, I think, for what they've done. And so that process itself is super useful. Um, yeah, so those are all great reasons to do it. Um, I, to be honest, the reason that I think most of our authors write a book is because they want to help people. I think that's such a, like an innate human quality. And I think, just think about the people you can help with your book and like how much better off they would be if they knew how to avoid the kind of people who are kind of hucksters or people who don't have the love for podcasting or just joining now because it's so lucrative and it's, you know, becoming really popular and like, how empowered they would feel to know like how to keep it simple um especially when, like there must be so many i mean i guess i don't know how podcasters feel about youtube but there must be so many good podcast tutorials about the kind of equipment you need and so on we can literally visually see it but are you guys like ooh, stay away from youtube as a podcaster <laughs> well listen <laughs> i don't see anything wrong with youtube a lot of people are on there with their podcasts but Listen, for the first 10 years yeah. of this yeah. podcast, I used my telephone. That was it. That was my equipment. And my equipment now, I mean, I am really heavily in debt over this. I paid $19.99 to Amazon for a headset, <laughs> and I've been using that for three years. That's it. Keep nice. it simple, stupid. Yep. Way less room for um, technical glitches to go wrong as well if you understand your equipment. Or um, my friend is a photographer, and uh, I asked him once, like, oh, what's the best camera? What should I get? And he was like, the best camera is the one you have with you. Like, if you have your smartphone with you. Your like, phone. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, I know we all want to think that, like, 
like it's the equipment that makes the photographer because wouldn't that be great if we could just spend a ton of money on equipment and then suddenly oh wow I'm amazing but unfortunately like you've so clearly pointed out it's those years you've put on grafting that make you so good at what you do and yeah and like the best writers wrote on napkins with you know whatever pencil or paper they had ahead of they had around them so unfortunately there's no yeah, there's no quick fix. It's just about putting the pen to paper, sitting with those blank pages. Of course, I'm sure you've tried this technique, but a lot of people say to just write anything that comes to your mind for the first five minutes to get over that um, that hump of, of kind of feeling overwhelmed when you're sitting at your blank keyboard. I don't know if that helps for you. No, my my mind is scary. You don't want to see what comes to <laughs> It's a dark place in there, no. But I do, and I've shared this on the podcast many times. When I'm in the shower, that's when my best ideas come. And a lot of the notes that I have run back into my office to write down part of that consistency thing, because I'm thinking about this book all the time. It is top of mind with me right now. And when I'm in the shower, everything ceases. My brain calms down. I calm down. It's hot enough in there to steam broccoli, so I'm relaxing. And I have learned to take, because I get my best ideas in there, no question. And I have learned to take bathtub crayons. I buy them at Amazon, bathtub crayons. And I, when a, a brilliant idea or a random thought or something I think is important, I scribble it on my bathroom wall, my shower wall. And when I come out and the steam clears, I take a picture of it with my, my iPhone and then I come back in here and I write down what I think is really, really important, and I've got more parts of my book written. Does that make sense? That is awesome. I love that you have, like, your process and you work in that um, and you figured out what works for you. Do you have, like, i got to ask, there's those little things where you can write in the shower that's got, like, special pens and, and whiteboards? That would be genius. I've seen them, but I already had the bathtub crayons, and I like the colors. <laughs> it's the kid in me. I get, oh. to, I get to write. You know, I actually some ideas get written in red, some ideas get written in green. It really, if it's a money idea, it's in green. It really depends. I have a, a process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I know. I haven't That's tried. That's awesome. It works for me. So let's talk about now. I mean, we're going to build further authority with everything that you're sharing here. And it, this goes mm-hmm. back to what you're t- we were talking about earlier and what Alinka says, you know, marketing, marketing, marketing. If you're going to put mm-hmm. out a book, you need to be starting about, you know, be thinking about getting that marketing piece first, I think. I mean, that's my attitude mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so the really key parts for that are, well, I'm sure you know for podcasts as well, so the metadata is really important. So, well, the most important thing, I think, is a really good title, um, something that really captures what your book is about, that you can also always play in the subtitles. And this is a point where you can do some market research and keywords. There's a really great tool called Publisher Rocket for publishing. Um, it's really not that expensive. We can find out what the keywords for your book title are and use some of those. But it's more important that it's just something that really stands out and really, 
you wanted to, a good title is one that kind of forms a question in the reader's mind. Or um, a really great title is just a how-to, um, because readers love to find out how to do things. Um, and then the cover is really, really essential. Even in this stage of Kindle books, I know we like to think, oh, covers aren't that important, but they still are. Oh, yeah. They're still, mm-hmm. If they're ugly, I'm not going to read the blurb. I'm just not. Beauty is important. Well, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like aesthetically pleasing, um, good design, like don't like have a good hierarchy of topography. You should really if you don't have a good graphic designer friend who you can call on for a favor, you should really get a proper graphic designer to do your cover. Um, I mean, you could use someone on Fiverr so you don't have to spend too much, but you should get, like, someone who you like, who you've seen before, that kind of um, gets your style of book. And then, so that's really, really important. Um, And, again, I can't say stress enough to look at the competing titles. And you want something that's somewhat similar but not too different. Like, I always think of that episode of The Apprentice where, you know, they have to make their own advertisement and they just go off the wall. Like they completely forget that like, uh, that they need to be fitting in with marketing trends. Um, and you really do. I mean, I know it's, we're all like, oh, I'm a unique snowflake. I don't need to. But there's a reason that everyone else has been doing what they've been doing. But you can obviously put a spin in it. But the best, uh, I think the best creativity happens when we are constrained. Um, because then there's room to play in that. So yeah, so really great title first, really great cover, good subtitle, killer book description. You really need to, um, again, some people instead of a book description will put the praises from reputable people. So you have to network like crazy, or I mean, we actually have had some authors who managed to get some really good praises just through being like, hey, this is one of my books about, it's amazing, it's worth you taking a look at, it's very similar to your interest in X and Y that you wrote about in this article. Like, don't write to someone who is completely unrelated who will never reply. Like, really, do your research, your homework, why they would be interested in your book. And people are willing to help, um, but you are asking them to put their reputation to prove that you've done your homework and you're worth it. And those praises are really worthwhile. They're worth doing because you can put them in the editorial review the section of Amazon, which will really kind of, again, it's all about building authority, building your expertise, building your reputation. And it's about saying, hey, look, I'm saying all these things, but you don't just have to trust me. Here's proof. Here's social proof. So right. that's super important too. And you can be doing that from the very beginning. Identifying influencers, um, like micro book blogging influencers in your field, you can be doing that from the very beginning as soon as you have your book concept idea. And this might all seem unsexy, but your book doing well is very sexy, you know? Uh, and it's, it's really worthwhile figuring this stuff out. Um, uh, Amazon ads are really useful. There's a bunch of book promotion sites out there that are actually quite good. Um, BookBub is brilliant. There are some kind of services that will email thousands of librarians on your behalf, which I think is worth doing um, because then your book could actually be stuck, you know, on a shelf and you can see it. So I guess that's one of 
If you're wondering whether to self-publish, whether to hybrid publish, which is what we are exposed with traditional publishing, it's worth thinking about what's most important to you. For self-publishing, you get to keep all the royalties. Bingo, bango, amazing. It's probably the cheapest in terms of the only two professionals, I would say, if you want to really strip it back, is an editor. You should definitely get a copy editor who at least is checks, like you say, the typos and spellings. Um, but maybe a developmental editor who can point out more major flaws. But oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where if, the structure comes I mean, in. That's, yeah. Like, if you've done a really good outline, then you might not need that. But Amazon, you need to keep your book below 9.99 to really benefit from the royalty structure because once you go above 9.99, they charge a lot more. Um, and then uh, for hybrid publishers, so what we do is we do everything for you, the marketing, we interview you, we write the book, or we can just do the marketing if you've already written the book for yourself. And we can market it to the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestseller guaranteed um so if any of that is interest to you and we also what's nice about us is we uh, have a distribution deal with Simon and Schuster which means that our books go onto bookshelves so your book can will be in your local bookstore but then traditional publishers I would say is the one I would least recommend um just I would much rather someone self-publish because then you have such a fast proof of concept with, uh, without having like sunk too much time or money into it. Whereas with a traditional publishing house, you do get paid to write the book. You get a tiny amount of the royalties. The royalties are only paid to you after they've recruited their cost, which is their marketing cost. It is incredibly hard to get them. They only take on, uh, you know, a couple hundred every year authors. They're not going and even out of those authors, they're only going to push a few of those. Um, and you have to wait two years like, for the book to get out there. It's it's a long, long, horrible process. Two years, a long, two years from when you sign the deal, getting the deal in the first place, you have to get an agent. You have to pitch for years. You have to shop around and pitch. Um, it's just, I think. I mean, it's wonderful if you can, if you happen to stumble into it accidentally, the chances of that happening are slim to none. And otherwise, I think it's just the, the bar is too high for the world no longer needs these traditional gatekeepers. Um, we've realized that. We've evolved beyond that. We're like, no, the people who make art are the artists. Um, and I think the world's a much better place for us. Oh, I agree with you. I've got a client now who is just really, she really, really, really wants to go the traditional route. And I've, you know, I've been working with her and consulting with her and waiting for her to realize that that's not her best option. And she's getting there. She's like, two years? <laughs> yep. I told you that mm -hmm. in the beginning. So she's really <laughs> thinking about self-publishing. But, you know, I can't force her into to going in a different direction. She's had to figure that out on her own because yeah. this book is important that she's written. She doesn't want to wait two yeah. years for it to get into colleges and to get into the, you know, the parents no. of students, you know, it, it needs to be out there. Like, now. like how much will she have missed the moment 
or exactly. how many people will she not have helped if it doesn't get out there in time? Like we live in a world where time is so increasingly important because the speed of stuff has increased so incredibly rapidly of innovation and of information sharing. So yeah, don't hold back. I really hope she considers the self-publishing route. Yeah. What's your book about? Her book, she's an attorney and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be an attorney forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. But she yeah. has written this incredible book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But she's written this incredible book about how, you know, what parents don't understand about what their kids are going through. You know, what's going on in school, how they can help them, you know, be in school, stay in school, get out of school if that's what they want to do. How to take you no know, not take on immense debt for your children. It's not your job as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And, you know, just there's a lot of information that she's got in there, and it's all great stuff, and I think it needs to get out there right now. That is incredible. She needs to get a lot out there. Imagine how many lives would be just absolutely altered for the better. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, she needs to do that. And it's just, it's a tough road. I mean, if she wants to go down the traditional route, I understand it. I think... The problem is, is like, that's what we, that's kind of our idea of it as a child, I think. And so we think, oh, that's the way, if I, if I want to publish a book, that's the way I have to do it. And it's not till like, I started reading books by, let's say, Tim Ferriss or so on that I realized, oh, this whole self-publishing thing is legitimate. Like, there's people with actual useful information out there um, who just did it themselves, who were like, oh, I, I think I'm good enough. Who decides me? <laughs> Um, That's exactly right. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I first started speaking with her, and I hated to do it, but the first thing I told her, because she was telling me, I had the book outlined, she sent it to me, I signed an NDA. Yeah, I knew what she was up to, and the first thing I had to say to her is, how about your marketing? She said, well, I don't have any. I said, you're already two years behind. And she just said, oh, my God. I mean, you have have to tell the truth. So we're working yeah. on that, but she was already way behind the curve and didn't even know it, uh, had no clue. And I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to go back to something you said earlier. You were talking about how important the title of the book is. And listen, these days mm-hmm. I'm going to put on my web developer and, and marketing hat. You're probably going to build a web page for this book. You should, because this is where you can offer other mm-hmm. things. If you've got a course, it's a marketing tool. But here's the thing. Pay attention to your SEO, your search engine optimization. If the search engines can't really read it or figure out what it is, mm-hmm. humans aren't going to read it either. So you have to make it easy to read and, like you said, easy to understand, has a beginning and an end, a how-to or what if or whatever the heck it's going to be about. But keep in mind that your search engine optimization is going to be a big, big part of getting your book out there on top of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I, yeah. The keyword research will really help you. Um, and again, front load your book description. If that's what you're going to use, if you're not going to use the praises, which is totally relevant um, or, or totally valid. I mean, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, keyword uh, optimization. The tool is Publisher Rocket. I'd really recommend it for anyone in the publishing industry. It really has the most up-to-date on Amazon, which like or loathe Amazon, I know people have a lot of opinions on it. Um, it is just 
the biggest marketplace for English language books. So it, you just have to be aware of it and how you're going to sell them if that, that's the route you're going. That's exactly right. And we were talking earlier. I just lost my train of thought. My feet got cold. It's 28 degrees outside, <laughs> which is unusual for my part of the deep south. And all of a sudden, I just realized that my feet are really cold. But um, we were talking. It's a little bit chilly here in Lisbon, and I'm struggling too because it's usually so warm. I know. It's just I love this kind of weather, but... I probably should put some socks on. I don't think I even own any, which is neither here nor there. But listen, um, we were talking about, you know, the the book covers. And even if it's on Amazon and you're going to download it on Kindle, and listen, I I download probably five or six books a day. You, they're mostly free. Wow. I, oh, you ought to see. I've got over 6,000 titles on my Kindle. I've got 4,000 yeah. physical books in my house. And in my garage, I read. But here's the thing: if it's when you're going to, if you're going to do this, make sure that whoever creates your book, and I know you've got something to say about this, makes it that so you've got a spine. Listen, all of my books in my office right now, and this book that you sent me, Awakening by Reva Martin, is going to go in here as well. I've got two bookshelves, and every single book in here was gifted to me by my podcast guests. I have to be able to to read the spine to figure out which one I'm looking for again. And in the early days of self-publishing, and I've got books that go kind of way back, I'm like, what the heck was this book about? And I have to yank it out and read it because the spine was so awful. Not something you normally think about, right? But it's important because... Look how we stack these books. Or we, st- we stand them up. We stack them. That spine is, to me, almost the most important part of a physical book. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because it's funny how many different moving parts people don't even realize is part of the book creation process. Like, for instance, you have to figure out how many pages are in your formatted manuscript and alter your book cover to be the right size or Amazon will reject this. Um, uh-huh. And like that's why I do recommend for that part of the process at least getting a professional graphic designer who's experienced in book covers because like you say there are things to take into account that you just wouldn't realize. Um, obviously, also just remember to get your I this might seem obvious but your own ISBN um, because your book will get rejected without it. It might be worth considering get the library um, Congress number as well um, for your book, but that. Um, it's very straightforward and easy, but just there's so many different moving parts. It's just, um, yeah, it, it is good to have someone, I think, to talk to about it. And you will make mistakes, and that's fine. Everyone does. Oh, yeah. Like I said, when I started my multiple books here, that epic blank page is like, oh, geez, because it is daunting. And what we're talking about mm-hmm. is probably just scaring the bejeebers out of people, but I don't think it should be. I think it should be really helpful to people. It's like, this is where you can go. This is what you can do. People publish their own books all the time. They go to people like you, Leader Press, who can help with these books. You know, you can either hire somebody, you can do a hybrid. There are so many ways to get your word out. You were talking about blog mm-hmm. posts. One of my, a very dear mm-hmm. friend of mine is Jim Tunney. He's known in the United States as the Dean of of NFL referees, and he's written, I think, 
and I do all over social media, but he's written, I think, nine or ten books that basically were from his blog. He writes an article every week. He's got something like 600 articles. They're all in books. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a very smart way of doing it. Absolutely. No, I think it's a great way of doing it. I mean, the only thing is you still need that outlet. Oh, I lost you. You still there? Oh, no. Grace, can you hear me? Oh, shoot. Well, we are just about three minutes out from... Oh, we lost her. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and... And say goodbye, because we've only got about two more minutes anyway. So, Grace, thank you. It has been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and advice that you've shared with our audience. And because she's not here to share it, go find Leaders Press and find out more about, you know, how to meet the publishing needs and how they help you. And just figure out if this is the kind of service you want. Find out what kind of information they can share with you. And Listen, Grace, thank you so much. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to look for us in iTunes and anywhere else you consume your business podcast. And just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Thank you, Grace. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, Contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.